0: I'm going to ask a very strange question. You might think this is a church, but I'm going to ask you who likes eating? Now I can't see you, but we all do. And we like trying new types of food. When we try new tasty food, we ask sometimes, how does the chef do that food? Now, I've got one of Lynn's big cooking books. She's got a pile and there are 600 recipes in there. And so whenever I cook, I go to the recipe book and I make sure I put all the right ingredients there, ingredients that make the thing functions properly. And each ingredient in a a recipe does its part. And a good cook is very wise because he knows that leaving out ingredients means the results aren't so good. Now, we're not here to talk about cooking, so let me get on with the real subject. Um, You see, I believe that God's word, the Bible, it has a recipe within the ingredients for an effective church. Uh, And a very important question has to be, do we use the Bible as a guide for our church or do we just do church our way and hope to get good results? Now, we know the church began roughly 2,000 years ago. Jesus began spreading the good news The gospel to a desperate world but before jesus left he gave his disciples a commission and we read that in matthew 28 verses 16 to 20. then jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, what an amazing commission. Um, It was a new venture, and I guess it left them wondering, asking the question, how do we do this? How do we actually start a church? Now, there was no example for them to follow. They were not well-equipped for the task. But listen to this, God was not going to leave them without help. He gave help to those disciples, and we're going to discover that. He gave them the tools. He gave them his followers, I believe, the abilities to help in the battle, and the battle was to reclaim from Satan people into God's kingdom. Now, it's interesting when you look at the beginning of the church uh, from nothing, The church began to grow because, and why was the reason? Everyday people just like us and every generation have been given the tools or the gifts to do the job. You could say the recipe that God gave by giving the people the ingredients, the ability to produce a good church. But he also gave the Holy Spirit, guiding them. The new church grew exponentially and it spread around the world. From nothing, suddenly it became a powerful, powerful group, And we're part of that today, 2,000 years later. See, nothing has changed. Just as in Jesus' time, we need God's help to win the war against Satan. We can't do it by ourselves. We need the daily help of the Holy Spirit. But we also need to use, I believe, the 25 gifts that God gave. He gave them to build a thriving, effective group of Christ followers to build a strong Holy Spirit-inspired, functioning church. You see, the Holy Spirit teaches us, helps us, and the gifts to do the task. God gave believers 25 gifts or tools to do the job effectively. That's why I've spent the last four times I've talked to you talking about these gifts. Now, I guess in summary, we would say that every believer is meant to function as part of the body, according to the spiritual gifts that they have received. We all have a part. Now, the truth is the church is not just a social club. It's not there just to provide fun and company for the Christians. I believe the work of the church is an army. It's an army of people who are really engaged in the war. The aim is to stop Satan destroying the world. And using God's recipe helps us to get it right. So this is why God gave people the gifts. He wants us to use them to get it right. Now today is the fourth and the last part of our series on discovering our spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, we discovered that every person who submits their life to Christ is a member of the body of Christ. And we all have an important part to play. We're not just spectators. We're there to be part of God's army. So important, in fact, that God gives each one, each one of us who become Christians, he gives gifts from the Holy Spirit to empower us for the work of the kingdom. And we'll finish the series today with the last four, and I'll read from Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, And these are the gifts that we have not yet looked at. There are four more. If it is to give to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, as you see from this passage, once again, the point of being part of the body and receiving spiritual gifts for ministry is to get involved and act as part of the body. We're not just spectators, we are to be involved. And I'm going to look closely at the four gifts mentioned here that we haven't already covered. Now you might say, well, they're not my gifts, but I want you to learn, I want you to understand that this is how God wants the church to function with all the gifts that he gave us. And the first gift is the word encouragement or exhortation, or being an encourager. And this simply means the ability to speak words of comfort, encouragement, and counsel to other members of the body in such a way that they feel helped and strengthened. What a powerful thing that is. So how can you know if you have the gift of encouragement? Well, you can start with encouraging others today. I tell you, just by being here, just by being on the Zoom screen, you are an incredible encouragement. Your time's not wasted. You are actually encouraging each other. That's very, very powerful. And all of us are called to keep meeting together. And that's a bit hard during COVID and to encourage each other. But some people are just especially gifted to bring encouragement to others. You will know when you look around that some people have that gift but as you do, you may notice that they have special ability in this area. And in addition, your encouragement may take place in a particular mean. Now, we've got wonderful musicians. They encourage us in our singing. We've got leaders who encourage us in our singing. And that's a gift. Or other people have their gift to write or just many forms of encouragement. Use of all our abilities and opportunities to encourage a part of helping someone to grow closer to the Lord. So every time you encourage someone, you're actually encouraging them to share your faith, to learn something. But there are two sides of encouragement. One side is to exhort or generally encourage people, maybe with a strong edge to it. As a teacher, I would have students who I would encourage every day. Some of them, I had to not growl at them, but say strongly, you could do better. And they would listen and they would respond. That was called exhorting. And we see this in the life of John the Baptist. In Luke 3, verses 16 to 18, John answered the question by saying, I baptize only with water, but someone is coming soon who has far higher authority than mine, In fact, I am not even worthy of being a slave. Then he says, he, and he was talking about Jesus, he will baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit. He will separate chaff from grain and burn up the chaff with eternal fire and store away the grain. In other words, he said some of his ministry is really going to be very powerful and he's going to exhort you, and that's a part of encouragement. He's going to encourage people strongly and we saw that in many times in the new testament and he used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people so as we see here sometimes the gift of encouragement is applied by challenging people to stand up for christ Um, sometimes we've got to get alongside and say hey you need to do better you need to perhaps be encouraged to change some of your ways and I guess we give him first place without compromising. But whether it is a strong challenge that needs to be spoken or a very gentle word of encouragement to keep going when feeling down, we need the gift of encouragement to be at work all over the church. I believe that every small group needs at least one person who exercises this gift to help the group members throughout the week. Maybe when the group's not together, ringing up and saying, how are you going? Just keeping an eye on those who are really struggling. You know, when there are issues in lives you hear about, well, why not contact the person and encourage them? And I believe that's a very effective part of the church when we encourage those we know need help. Then we come to the next verse that talks about giving. Now, sometimes when we talk about people giving will other people turn off but I think this is very valuable the ability to contribute to meet the needs of others with extra liberality and cheerfulness now let me say that again if you have the gift of giving you will be liberal you'll be cheerful when you're giving not just because we have to but because it's something that's special and I believe sometimes that the gift of giving is another gift that can be confused with spiritual discipline, we think we've got to give. But just like evangelism, giving is everyone's responsibility. Some are gifted and above and beyond the norm. You see, all of us are commanded to give generously, regularly and sacrificially to our material resources, to the further work of the church. And people give very carefully and very generously to the work of the church. But there are some people who find incredible joy in giving, and they love to go beyond the norm. Sometimes the gift of giving is seen at work in an entire congregation of people, people who, and we'll just find out about that, but it was the case in the Macedonian church. Now, Paul describes in Second Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 5, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given The Macedonian churches, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. These people were obviously struggling financially, and yet they had joy and they gave, welled up in very rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability entirely on their own they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints in other words they weren't forced to they gave because they wanted to and they actually pleaded with paul to do it which is fascinating and they did not do as we expected but they gave themselves first to the lord and then to us in keeping god's will well what an amazing church You see, these people urgently pleaded to be given the opportunity to share in God's work. That's a powerful thing in the church. It's almost as if Paul would not have even asked them because of the poverty of that church, and yet they wanted to. They wanted to give with joy. They found great joy in giving, and they would not be stopped. Well, what a powerful church to be part of. You know, we need people like this at MCC because there are needs all around us, all around the world, and they're great. There are needs all over our community. And when you exercise the gift of giving, you bless someone and you demonstrate God's care and love for them. You see the powerful effect when someone who desperately needs help and you give it, they're incredibly grateful, but they see God's care and love. Now, our son, Stephen, he works for it's a worldwide organization called World Vision. It's a Christian based aid group and it works in many, many countries. And his work has taken them all over the world to very extremely poor places. I'm talking real poverty. And he inspects the projects being carried out by World Vision. Now, Stephen and his family have shifted from Australia and are now living in Ethiopia which is a very poor part of the world and there is desperate needs there but the only way these often life-saving projects can happen is because people give generously they don't need to but they do and now Stephen tells stories I'd love to hear his stories he tells stories of going into incredibly isolated poverty-filled villages in India World Vision have gone in there. They've seen that they couldn't grow crops because there was no water. So they put in water pumps, and the people now grow and sell their food, and it helps the village. But he tells how people's lives are so impacted and how grateful they are that others, with the gift of giving, cared enough to supply the means that would make a difference to their lives. And he tells about going in and the people just love the world vision people because they have come in as strangers and yet they've come in and helped lynn and i visited kolkata a number of years ago and which is in india and we looked at a christian project called free sets you may have seen them advertising free set bags they make beautiful bags and what they do is that they have set up projects and these free sets uh projects are there to rescue women who have been forced to work as prostitutes. Their poverty is so bad that they don't have another choice. And so FreeSET teaches the woman skills to make products that are then sold internationally, and that's how they raise the funds. This is how they care for their kids. And it provides a source of money so that these ladies don't have to rely on prostitution just to survive. Now, we had a wonderful morning one morning We spent time with 200 of these women as they met together, they had a prayer meeting, they praised God and they gave thanks for their new faith, their new hope and the care that they had received from others who had the gift of giving. Now, we were amazed to see these women because they're giving their lives to Christ. We've been encouraged because of the generosity of others with the gift of giving, which helps support missionaries who are there to spread the good news so the powerful effect of giving can have an incredible effect on those who are desperately needing it now the next gift we're talking about is leadership and we've seen the example of leadership this morning leadership in worship leadership on the piano leadership just in the singing putting the service together sending all the information out the ability to lead other believers in accomplishing work for the kingdom now there are those people who are given the gift of leadership and sometimes they feel quite uncomfortable in a group situation where no leadership has actually been given and often they and almost compulsively they'll stand up to provide leadership rather than see the group wallow in mediocrity we know that next week someone will have led and set up the worship um, done all the background things they're leading because They want the church to go on. Now, Volkswagen cars, of which there are probably a lot around Japan, they have a saying, in life, there are drivers and passengers. In life, there are drivers and passengers. And Volkswagen say, drivers want it. In other words, you can be a passenger, but a driver is very important for their business. Now, those with the gift of leadership are the drivers. And they help the body accomplish more together than they could on their own. So thank your leaders, thank those. Actually go and say it. Send them an email, say, hey, thank you, because you care, and we function because you care. Judges in the Bible, chapter 17, verse 6, it explains what it was like for a period of time in Israel when they had no king or leader. And it says, For in those days, Israel had no king, so everyone did whatever he wanted to do, whatever seemed right in his own eyes. Now we know Christ is the head of the church body, but Christian leaders are needed to direct the many group of believers which are part of the body. Every group of believers needs someone who is gifted to lead. I believe this gift is to give unity and strength to the body of Christ so it can fulfill its purpose in the world. Now, where do we need people with this gift? Once again, everywhere. Small groups, children's ministries, youth, young adults, all the things that the church functions with. Now, I believe as the church grows and continues to grow, we'll need more people with this gift of leadership. And so leadership is valuable and it's a gift and it's there to build the body and courage. Then we come to another gift, which is a fascinating one, called mercy. Mercy is the ability to feel genuine empathy and compassion for those who suffer and to cheerfully work to alleviate the suffering. Now, I guarantee if you're a nurse and and that's how you earn your living, um, it's a compassionate ministry. You're showing empathy. You're showing mercy. But you see, once again, all Christians are called upon demonstrate mercy to those in need and to those around who we call our neighbor but there are certain people and i've met them and i guarantee you have who are gifted to go beyond the norm in their ministry to help people now jesus tells the story of two different types of people one group helps those in need and the other does not and we read in matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 40. It's a long reading, but listen to this. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Isn't it interesting that God put such a high standard on showing mercy and care? And I believe the church needs to do the same uh, if it's really effectively working in the community. You see, people with the gift of mercy find themselves involved in all sorts of activities on a regular basis. But listen to this, and they find great joy and energy and fulfilment in helping those who are suffering, whether that is emotional, physical, or even financial. We need people with mercy because that demonstrates, I believe, the love and compassion of God into their lives. Now here at MCC, I encourage anyone who has that gift of mercy to exercise it wherever and whenever and wherever opportunities arise. You provide a most necessary boost to people in need by your spirit-inspired ministry to them. Now that brings us to the end of our survey of spiritual gifts. You're probably saying, "Wow, that's good. But many of you are probably wondering, what now? You're probably asking, it's great to know what gifts are, but how do I know what gift I have been given? And that's actually a very good question. What gifts have you been given? And so I'll finish by saying, how do you discover your spiritual gifts? How do you find out how you're gifted? I believe you have to cultivate a desire for spiritual gifts. First Corinthians 14:1 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. In other words, you can just say, oh, I'm not interested. Or you can say, yes, I really want to know. I want to find out how I'm gifted. And if you desire the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can pray about it. And you can ask God to lead you to whatever gifts he has given you. And he will make them clear to you. Ask God. In James 1.5, it says, if you need wisdom, ask a generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So you can just pray and say, hey, look, what are my gifts? Um, How do I know what they are? Because I believe that asking God for wisdom about our spiritual gifts is a very good place to start. Since it is God's will for you to exercise your spiritual gifts, you can ask with confidence that he will respond and give you direction. Say, you're wondering, well, of the 25, what have I got? Um, Ask. Just simply say, hey, look, I'm not quite sure. Will you give me the answer? one way is to get involved in ministry sometimes the only way you will know is if you are gifted by the holy spirit in certain types of ministry is to try them offer to do things do things that you think yeah i'd love to do that but don't just sit on the sidelines until god supernaturally shows you where exactly you fit in the body of christ as a group as a church there's always a place to exercise your gifts And we need to get moving. You'll need to find that place much more easily and quickly if we actually get involved. But then there's another test. We started off by talking about cooking. You could cook a meal with all the ingredients, but you've actually got to taste it. You've got to experience it to know whether it's any good. And so once you're involved in a ministry, you might say, yes, I'd love to help in that ministry but check what sort of fruit is developing as a result. Check and see how things are actually starting to happen. Um, Ask the question, does God really bless you in your ministry? Maybe in some areas, but not in others. Now, I would love to play my guitar and sing, but I know that it would probably destroy you if you heard me singing. Um, So, But I could try it. And I used to play the piano in church for, for worship, but... I was never a brilliant plan, but I I tried. I was prepared to have a go. And, you know, this is an indication that if you're gifted, you'll see results. Now, for example, if you think you have the gift of mercy, you can ask. You can ask people around you. um, Do people feel Jesus' love and compassion through me? Often people will see you, And they will know you better than you know yourself. They will see what you can do. They'll observe the skills that God has gifted you with. And it doesn't hurt to say, hey, am I fitting into this? Am I doing okay? You can ask a leader where volunteers are needed and see what might fit your gifting. For example, if you think you have the gift of mercy, a good place to start perhaps would be visiting someone who is perhaps unwell, or you hear they're in need, ring them up, see if you can come and see them. Show compassion. And if that's your gifting, you'll find that you get a lot of joy out of actually doing those things. Um, You will feel joy because that touches your ability to give and to use that gift. Now, it could be that you assumed that this is how you're gifted. And if you're using your gifts in the way that God would like, you will see, you will sense that. And I guess one final word on spiritual gifts before we conclude is, is it helping to build God's kingdom? Is it helping build the people? And that's what the gifts are for, not just for our own good, but to build the kingdom of God, build the church, encourage others, but don't limit God. And here's a very important statement don't limit god just because you haven't felt gifted in a certain area in the past does not mean you won't tomorrow in other words maybe tomorrow this week is a time to start learning yeah i am gifted in this area it might mean you've got to change your lifestyle give up your busyness and go and do stuff for other people who knows but don't limit your service to the kingdom to the areas you feel gifted in other words don't just restrict yourself be encouraged to try new things. There is too much work for us to do. And sometimes we just have to roll up our sleeves and serve others and the church because it simply needs to be done. I guarantee you can look around in your church and you can say, yeah, that needs to be done, but no one's doing it. It's not my thing, but I'll go and do it. I'll go and help. And maybe you've got the gifts of help to do that. And what happens? God wants us to do even more incredible things through us. He wants to use us. He wants to bless the people you're with. He wants to bless your community. You're a powerful group of people because you're a faith-filled Christian group. Therefore, trust God to use you and bless you and encourage you to do incredible things. And when we all do our part, this is the experience. We'll experience joy and fruit from our work together. It's great working in a team. You get this wonderful sense, well, hey, this is great. Now I'm going to finish with the words from First Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Be a community that cares and serves and looks for opportunity because you've all got gifts. Go out this week knowing that you have God-given abilities to serve him because it's a mission. Remember, this is a war against Satan. And we're the people who are fighting that war, who have been equipped, given the ability to do it. Why? Because we want to win. The whole point of a church is to win people from the pain of hell. Hell is going to be a horrible place, and we want to rescue people from there to become part of Jesus' kingdom. That's why he's gifted us to do his work. Commit your days to serving Jesus with the gifts and supernatural tools to bring not honour to yourself, but to great honour to the name of God. That's what the church stands for. Let me just say a blessing to you in your faith journey. Um, You know, I can't wait to see what God is doing, what He's going to unleash through this church, through MCC, in the days ahead, because. You say, hey, I want to serve. You've given me the gift. You've given me the ability. Now, I want to see a blessing for Jesus' name in this community. So bless you as you go now. My next sermon, I'm going to actually give you a practical example from Scripture of when a church put into practice the stuff that we have been talking about and how God just multiplied that church despite what was a terrible political climate where there was anti-church and you. God work through the people to bless and to encourage and strengthen. And, of course, we're part of that church today. Thank you.